seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to the passage we read, Isaiah chapter 30, and reading for our text, verses 20 and 21. Isaiah 30, verses 20 and 21, where we read, And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, Yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner any more, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. Isaiah 30 and verses 20 and 21. Isaiah was in the days of Hezekiah, the king of Judah, and in the days that the Assyrians came against them. And really, if you were to look on a map, you find how the Assyrians had conquered the nations all the way around. And in the end, the Lord preserved Judah and left them as really a beacon upon a hill in the midst of those nations unconquered, and the Lord delivered them. But leading up to that, they were a rebellious people, as is spoken of here in this chapter, and yet the Lord was going to be very gracious to them. He warned them not to flee to Egypt, not to find help in any other, and certainly Hezekiah, He strengthened his people in the Lord. He encouraged them in the Lord. The enemies, the Assyrians, they knew that. And they sought to discourage them, especially those on the wall and those that were defending the city, that they should not trust in the Lord. But we read as Hezekiah pointed them to the Lord and encouraged them. They rested themselves on the words of Hezekiah. It's a good thing when the Lord raises up a leader like him that should listen to the prophets, that should be touched in his own heart and point those that are under him to the true and to the living God. But as well as being a help for the people at that particular time, there is that here which speaks of gospel days and of what the Lord will do for his people in teaching and instructing them. Be mindful of the wonderful promises that the Lord has received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. And here it is, the rebellious are spoken of here, but God is being gracious to them. And for everyone that does know their own heart and the workings of it, it will be an encouragement to know that even that is not too much for the Lord. And the Lord knows how to deal with us better than what we know how to deal with ourselves. And so in the lead up to our text, the Lord says that he will wait. There will be a set time. There will be a time that at first they are just resisting and fighting against the word of the Lord. They're trying to escape. They're trying to run away from it anything but bow before the Lord, anything that be in submission to the Lord's hand. But the Lord waits, and he waits for the right time. 
and then that he may be gracious unto you. You think of those times the Lord has waited in the scriptures. You think of when Goliath came up against Israel. For 40 days he defied Israel. Why didn't the Lord send David the first day to fight against Goliath? He waited 40 days. 40 days is a testing time. Israel had to prove they had no strength, no help in all of their armies, not in Saul, none at all, but the Lord's provision in David. And David had to be exalted before the people as the next king. And the Lord used that uh, event to thrust him into the limelight and to truly show that the Lord was with him. But the Lord waited and we find the same with Joseph dealing with his brothers. He doesn't see them when they first come and makes himself known to them. He waits and he deals with them and he makes them to smart and in their troubles and in their afflictions they remember what they've done to Joseph. They don't know him. They don't know who it is dealing with them. But he, he, he waits and the Lord does this. He doesn't immediately uh, jump in as it were and help his people they fall down there's none to help then they call unto the Lord in their trouble we think of in the New Testament the accounts of the woman with the issue of blood 12 years she had that 12 years and yet the Lord had appointed that time you think of the one that had been born blind the Jews thought there was some reason in him and reason in his parents why he's born blind the Lord says, no, that the glory of God, the power of God might be shown in him. He was of age all his life. He'd waited, as born blind till that time the Lord should work that miracle. And the Lord has that set time to favour Zion and to appear for his people. In the meantime, as like here, they're rebellious, they're kicking like Saul of Tarsus, Paul, the Apostle Paul, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. We're not told what went on before that Damascus road, but I can picture it just like this chapter here, those things that he was resisting, the pricks of conscience, and those who can tell that this people is, are the people of the Lord, and that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. But the Lord waits, and it is for this purpose, not to destroy his people, but that he may be gracious unto you. Grace, the free and merited favour of God, not deserved at all. In fact, it is kindness in the face of provocation and ingratitude. And it is that he will be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. Again, it's emphasised mercy you can never earn it, it's never deserved. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. And then again in verse 19, Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry when he shall hear it again. With Saul of Tarsus, behold, he prayeth, brought to pray, brought to cry. But at first we don't, and at first the people of God don't. But they are brought to it. And then we have the words of our text. And they, the Lord, give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, 
Yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner any more, that thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. I want to look then with the Lord's help at three points. Firstly, we have a promise to go with adversity and affliction. Though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet, and then there's the promise that is attached to that. And then secondly, teachers that are seen. Thy teachers, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner any more, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers. But not only that, in the third place, there's those directions that are heard. We don't just see the teachers, we hear what they're saying. We hear a voice in them. Thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. So first we have a promise to go with adversity and affliction. Let's think first just of the bread of adversity and water of affliction. You know those things that are troubles, troubles in our circumstances, things that are hard to bear, affliction, sicknesses, illnesses, those things are not pleasant to the flesh. And we would very seldom join those with actually a forerunner of the Lord's appearing, the Lord's help and the Lord's blessing to be upon us. But he joins these. And we read in another place, I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. And when we think of the time when our Lord was on earth, how many that were brought to him came because of literal affliction, sicknesses in themselves or their loved ones. Those were the things that used to bring them to the Lord. They were used under the Lord's hand. Now when we, in a very natural sense, we could hear of wonderful physicians and doctors and surgeons, but if we haven't got that illness, it means nothing to us. And it certainly wouldn't move us to go to them uh, and seek them out at all. What a difference it would be if we were in affliction and were sick and were unwell. Of course, we would remember as well the reason why there is troubles and afflictions is because of sin. It's because of sin, the consequences of sin, the curse due to that. And it is a great mercy if the Lord brings those things before the day of our death, before the body is brought down, those things to make us to know our mortality, to bring us to know that this world is polluted, it is not our rest, because man will, if everything goes well, he seeks his rest, here below, that the Lord is pleased to make, in the case of his people, those troubles and afflictions work for good. And so this is not coming by chance. We should always remember that, dear friends. Afflictions and adversities, they don't come by chance. And especially in the case of the Lord's dear people, 
There is a gracious purpose in them. Though the Lord give you the bread of adversity. We read in another place, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. And if you were to look into the margin, you see it could also be rendered gift. Cast thy gift upon the Lord. The Lord gives these burdens, gives these adversities, gives these things to bring to the Lord. The cause it is too hard for you, bring it unto me and I will hear it. And so we might think it is against us. Jacob thought that, didn't he? All these things are against me. And yet they weren't. We know from the account that they were all for good. They are working for good. Joseph was alive. And the things were in process so that he would actually see him and be with him. But he couldn't see that. And maybe you can't either. And your present circumstances, your troubles, your trials, you cannot see how that is working for good at all. You may have looked, you may have traced it right through, tried to see something encouraging and you can't. You just said, all I have to eat as it were is these troubles and adversities and afflictions and trials. But here we have a promise that goes along with this. Though the Lord give you these things, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore. There's a promise of teachers. And really we may say there's a promise of being taught. And we think of the promises of Scripture that in uh, Jeremiah, where, or Isaiah first, Isaiah uh, later on in 54, all thy children shall be taught of the Lord. Great shall be the peace of thy children. And then in Jeremiah, they shall not teach every man his neighbour, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least even unto the greatest. And that is taken up in Hebrews as well, quoted there, of that covenant that God makes with his people, that he shall teach them. Yes, he will use means, but they shall be taught of the Lord. He, in the end, is the teacher. He is the instructor and he gives this promise of teaching. May our prayer be, that which I see not, teach thou me. Teach me thy ways, O Lord. Ask for that direction and teaching and instruction. Remember, that is what the Lord Jesus on earth was. Through those that came, Nicodemus, wasn't it? We know that thou art a teacher come from God. That's what our Lord was. As he was wont, he taught them again. Every now and again there was an interlude. He healed some. He raised some from the dead. Went then straight back to his teaching. Straight back to instructing. And that was his ministry. And as well as feeding, Peter was told that feed my sheep, feed my lambs. As well as that, the ministry is to be a teaching ministry as well and the Lord teaching his people through that so they're not ignorant but taught of God but the Lord doesn't only use the ministry but in this first point it is the promise of being taught how much in the verses of our text is, is very personal it's not just 
saying, as uh, though it would apply to all of the church of God, but a voice to each one, particularly the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. And really the character is already pointed out. If you say, well, that's me, I'm in that trial, you can't escape the next bit where it says, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but thine eyes, not someone else's eyes, your eyes. You might look upon someone else and say, what you're going through, aren't you learning from that? Aren't you being taught from that? You're not to see for someone else. It's your eyes. Open thou mine eyes, that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law, says the psalmist. Thine ears shall hear word behind thee, saying, This is the way walk ye in it. When ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left, it's very personal. And we need, and we often say here, we need a personal acquaintance with the truth, a personal teaching, that which applies to us. So we have this promise. I wonder how many of us here that we plead this, we turn it into a prayer, we ask the Lord to teach us, to instruct us, you know, even in a natural way at school, if you have a student that doesn't want to be taught, they're very hard to teach. So easy, distracted, they don't want to learn at all. But one thing the Lord will do with his people is make them teachable. And part of the afflictions and troubles, it opens the ear and it makes them teachable. Why was it? Before Elijah called the people up to Mount Carmel, challenged them, how long halt ye between two opinions? Why did it have to be three and a half years of famine? Again, there's a waiting until that set time. The people then were willing, willing to listen, willing to put on trial bail, willing to come up to the uh, top of Carmel. We need to be made willing to be taught a teachable spirit. But here is a promise that goes with adversity and with affliction. May we be encouraged with that. I want to then look secondly at the teachers that are seen. If this is a promise, then it will be brought to pass. How is it brought to pass? How is it experienced by the people of God? Because the promise says here that shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore. Now it implies this, that there have been teachers already. But they've been not prominent, not in the forefront, but off into a corner, pushed to one side. But now they're going to come to the forefront and that shall be the main thrust that there shall be taught. In another place we read about how the Lord shall teach his people here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. And the Lord does teach in that way. But here it is shown as a time that the Lord put his hand to the work 
And he teaches, as it were, with that clear purpose of bringing clearly out of the troubles, out of darkness and into the light, the glorious light of the gospel. Not in a corner, but prominent, so that the subjects here, they recognise these teachers. Now we mentioned concerning the Lord and pointing to gospel days, pointing to when the promised seed of the woman should come, the Messiah should come, the woman at the well of Samaria. The one thing she knew about the Messiah was, when he cometh, he shall teach us all things. That he shall uh, uh, tell us of those things that well, she, she knew, she would have been told by this man of things about her life that she knew only a prophet, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And he says then that I am the Christ. I am he that speaketh unto you, am he. And yet it, the Lord was dealing with her. She saw her teacher in that way and recognised him. So in one sense there were those in the times of our Lord, that they saw him as a teacher come from God, they were taught by him, they were instructed, they recognised that this was he that should come. But the Lord still teaches his people. Now the Lord has suffered, bed and died, ascended up into heaven. His commission for his disciples and the apostles was going into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, teach all nations. So those of the apostles and preachers, they shall also be teachers. And in one sense, if you think of how it was in these Old Testament days, they had the, the prophets, just one or two or so at each time in, in Israel. Not a great number, but then you think of these gospel days and you think with us here, if you drew a circle around our church here, just with the gospel standard churches in 15 mile radius, we get nine of them. And most of them have got pastors. And... You think right through the world there are the teachers, instructors and pastors over the flocks and over the people and they are seen. They stand before the people as I do this evening and preach the word. And you can see who God is using uh, to, to make known his truth and to reveal that truth. So we view it as a prophecy in that way and fulfilled in that way. But I feel much more in a very personal way when the Lord begins to deal with his people then there are those things that he uses to instruct them and to teach them. There's one case that uh, I draw your attention to in the Old Testament and that is the case of when Jehoshaphat was joining himself to Ahaziah. Ahaziah was the son of Ahab who did very wickedly and uh, he joined himself with him. It seemed to be one of the weaknesses of Jehoshaphat that he kept joining himself 
to ungodly men. You may have said, well, they're still of Israel, they're the other ten tribes, but they didn't fear the Lord. They didn't uh, have the same God, the same faith at all. And so as he tried to do that, tried as it were, turning one way or another after them, uh, we read that the Lord sent a prophet to him. Jehoshaphat had joined Ahaziah to make ships to go to Tarshish. They made them in Ezai and Geba. Then Eliezer, the son of Dodavah, the uh, Marisha, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because thou hast joined thyself with Ahaziah, the Lord hath broken thy works, and the ships were broken, that they were not able to go to Tarshish. Now we read that in 2 Chronicles and chapter 20, the last verses of that chapter. But we have the equivalent, the same account in the uh, book of the Kings. And in that account, we don't read of the prophet, we just read of the providences that happened. So in 1 Kings 22, the last chapter in 1 Kings, we have uh, Jehoshaphat, in verse 48, Jehoshaphat made ships of Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they went not, for the ships were broken at Ezai and Geba. Then said Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, unto Jehoshaphat, Let my servants go with thy servants in the ships. But Jehoshaphat would not. Jehoshaphat had learnt his lesson. There had been a voice to that, and he listened to it. Now, we can be the same. We can be doing wrong things, walking in a wrong path. We hear the reproof from the word of God, maybe through the Lord's servants or through his word, but we continue walking in it, and the Lord touches those things. He breaks them. And others say, well, it's probably because you, you didn't know how to do it properly. Let me help you. But we learn the lesson. We hear the rod and who has appointed it. And there's a voice to us. And we can see that that which has happened has been something the Lord has used to teach us and instruct us. The Lord uses providence. One of our dear friends used to say, He that will observe providence will never lack a providence to observe. If we are all the time thinking, well, that's chance, and that just happened, and there's no purpose for it, we miss out on all of that teaching and all of that instruction. But if we really believe and know that my life's minute circumstance is subject to his eye, that a hair of our head cannot fall, a sparrow cannot fall, but the Lord doesn't know of it, then we will mark those things. You think of Psalm 107, all the things that were happening. What was the common thread there? Was that they were brought into situation after situation. They fell down, there was none to help. Well, who had they been seeking help from? Not the Lord first, obviously. They fell down, none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and the Lord saved them out of their distresses. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and mercy to the sons of men. 
And that happened again and again. And at the end of that psalm, we read, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. The Lord's loving kindness is a loving kindness to be understood. If a parent was to give sweets and nice things to their children, the children would say, well, that's nice, as loving kindness. But if the children did something wrong and they got a smack and got chastened and got banished, then they would need to understand that there is much loving kindness in that as in the good things that are being given them. And so it is with the Lord's dealings with us as well. The Lord wrapping in frowns as well as smiles, some tokens of his love. Those shut doors, those things that have been touched and marred and gone wrong and broken. How many times we've seen them as a teacher that the Lord has brought it for a purpose and a reason. Watch providence. Remember what we read in um, Romans 8 verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. The working of providence and the working of the word. In John 6 we read one day the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. The next day we have them following him over the sea, worked the miracle of walking on the water, and then he reproved them. He said, "You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you partook of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the bread that perisheth, but for that which endureth unto eternal life." And then from that flowed that whole discourse that was really based on the back of the miracle and of the loaves and the fishes. And so we have those times where the Lord joins those two things together and the providences are a lesson, a, a voice to us. I mentioned about the sparrow. I always remember the time, and no doubt I mentioned it before, uh, when I felt so low, as if the Lord was completely departed from me. I couldn't find him, couldn't find access in prayer the Lord so far off and I went across the field, across a graveyard actually, and a footpath the head down, head bowed down and I come across a dead sparrow and I stopped and I looked at that sparrow thought you've been thinking the Lord is far off but he must be near because that sparrow could not fall except the Lord was here and saw it and it picked me up it really, really encouraged me and picked me up and there's been many times like that in, in Providence that the Lord has had a voice and spoken to me in it. Those things that we resist or think that they are bad things or things that are against us. Not long after we came over from Australia here and I was working uh, for the Australian firm, so working for myself really, and the car went wrong, we had to go to Hayward's Heath with it. And I thought at first, what a waste of a morning. All that journey over there, get it fixed, a journey back. But as I started to drive, I tried to pray, Lord, make this a blessing. May I have a spirit of prayer and uh, uh, speak to me in the way through thy word 
that it might not be wasted. A forced time away from the drawing board, away from the work. And that was when just passing Hawkehurst over the hill there, the Lord dropped in, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, and with loving kindness have I drawn thee. A very sweet blessing joined together between here in Australia, that word that had been given to me in Australia years ago that I wondered whether it really was of the Lord or not. And immediately the Lord dropped it in, in that car. He brought to remembrance, went first. He had spoken that to my soul. And it was a very sweet time. You don't forget those times because it's not only the word, it's joined with providence as well. And you think that broken car, what a teacher, what a lesson that that was. And how the Lord uses those things. We often forget, don't we? Next time something goes wrong, we still fret. We still kick against the pricks. When we get hindrances on the road, we don't think, well, how many times have we been held up and we've proved there's been a purpose we've been held up. And yet we are to learn by these things. And those teachers are actually seen and brought to the forefront and you realise that the Lord has used these providential things, used these afflictions, used people, used even unbelievers in the things that they have said and what they have spoken to you. Many times things have been like this. People have said they haven't known why they said what they have said or what the meaning to me has been. The Lord has spoken to me through them and they've been a teacher does not removed into a corner. You know the Lord used it very often with the prophets. He said, go down to the potter's house and watch the potter and get a lesson from that. See how he's forming the pot. I can do that with you just like that. Just the other day, boy, went for a walk with the woods, saw them all coppicing and all the, the, the cut trees all down. Well, I know from over the years that you give a couple of seasons or even one season, go down there a few months' time and you'll find the sprouts coming up of those stumps. The hope of a tree, if it be cut down, the scent of water, it will sprout again. And they are lessons, lessons in, in the Word and lessons in providence and in creation a voice to us that speaks to us. Teachers that are not removed into a corner anymore, but our eyes see them. Bless the Lord if ever he has opened our eyes to see something that he has used to teach us a lesson, to teach us about ourselves or teach us about himself, to teach us gospel praise, to teach us that which only the Lord is able to teach. All thy children shall be taught of the Lord. None teacheth like him, because he knows us through and through. He knows what we need. He knows what instruction that we need. We are ignorant ourselves. And you think of with our Lord teaching his disciples, when he rose from the dead, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures, be taught and to have those things interpreted to us. Well, it is not just then the teachers that are seen, but it is the voice that is in them. You know, it would be something very grieving to a teacher 
if he was all the time teaching his students, but they never put into practice what he taught them. They never took any notice. It didn't affect their lives at all. It was a, a wasted instruction, as it were. Well, here we read, Thine ears and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. This is really highlighting the whole reason for the teaching, to bring us into the way and keep us in the way of truth, a narrow way that leadeth unto life, that few find, because... Wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction and many there are which go in thereat. Here is a instruction. We have a beautiful word in Psalm 32. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Then there's the caution. Be ye not as the horse of the mule which hath no understanding whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come nigh thee. And the picture, of course, if a rider is on a horse, he has a bridle, and he wants it to go one way, and he pulls the rein, the head pushes round, and away they go that way. And the horse, without any understanding, has been forced to go either way. But you imagine if you had a rider, and he no reins at all, he just sat on the horse, and he said, turn right, turn left, stop, and he just directed it with his word. It's what the Lord is saying. I, I use my eyes. I will show you which way to go. And you just listen. You just listen to my word. And you just go in the way that I will show you and instruct you in. And so this is the promise. Thou shalt hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. In one sense, it pictures to us that venturing, that walking, it's not sitting and saying, well, I'm too fearful, I'm not going to venture in any of the ways of the Lord. And, and sometimes we get in that improvidence, don't we? We think, how can I know which way to go? I've got to make a decision. I've got to know which way to go. And maybe so frightened that you don't know which way. But, you know, I... Believe this, if we have clearly laid it before the Lord, that we have searched in his word to make sure that we're not going directly contrary to his word, and we laid the matter before the Lord, he will not suffer us to do wrong. And if we do start to venture in the wrong way, he will put those shut doors, he'll put those things that hinder us, and then is where we see them as a, as a teacher and hear the voice in them that that's not the way. Paul, he said, he tries to go to Bithynia and into Asia. We find the Spirit suffered him not, forbidden to go that way. But which way? Then a vision come over into Macedonia and help us. Two shut doors and one open door. Which was the one that was the direction? All of them. All of them. All of them was his teachers. And so we have the word that goes with it. Very often it is from the, the very word of God that the Holy Spirit brings to our remembrance 
and speaks those words to our souls. But the word is to direct us in the right way. What a blessed thing where the Lord uses these things and these teachers to direct us to himself, to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And no man can come unto me except the Father which sent me draw him. The true teaching of the Holy Spirit will always direct unto Christ. It won't just remain a providential thing. It won't just remain something concerning our lives here, but direct us so that we put our whole trust for time and eternity in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are told, If thou hast run with the footmen, and they wearied thee, how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? Or really, if we couldn't trust the Lord or look to him, in the scenes of life, how will we do when we come down to death? And it's a good thing when we can be like David. We mentioned him going against Goliath, but that wasn't the first time the Lord appeared for him. The first time was when he was looking after the sheep and the bear came, the lion came, and the Lord appeared for him then. You might say to David, well, there's no comparison. How can you draw? a parallel and say because God appeared for you and delivered you out of the paw of the bear and the lion he would deliver you from this Goliath there's no uh, there's no comparison but it was a right way David saw the Lord was his helper then and the Lord would be his helper in this though it be different circumstances though it be a different adversary a different enemy a different time the Lord was the same and he knew all those things that had been happening and come to pass. And so with the uh, ways of the Lord, if the Lord has helped and been with us in providential things, we read in uh, Peter, if so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And this is what the context here is. A gracious God. If you've tasted the Lord is gracious as coming unto a tried stone, coming unto the Lord that is the rock of our salvation and is leading from those providential things to him. We think of the woman who came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. Why? What was her cause? Her daughter that was afflicted. Did she only get healing for the daughter? No. Great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. She came to the Lord. She came to worship him. And she was given those blessings. And those temporal blessings, really you might say to her, would have been the lesser, but that she had been blessed by the Lord. The man that was born blind. He did not even know who it was that had opened his eyes until the Lord came and met with him. Dost thou believe on the name of the Son of God? Who is he, Lord, that I might believe? I that speak unto thee am he. And that was his greatest blessing. A great blessing, yes, to have literal sight, but a greater blessing to have a sight by faith and to view in that Jesus of Nazareth 
despised and rejected of men as a root out of dry ground and to worship him and to believe in him. The teaching then of God's people, the Lord doesn't aim low. He aims with a purpose that they might know him, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That shall be the joy and gladness of the people of God, that that which the Lord is teaching them and opening their eyes and the word that they hear, remember in John 10, the mark the Lord gives of his sheep, my sheep, they hear my voice and they follow me. There is not a word that they don't follow, they do. And they have that mark of being his sheep in that they do know him. And it is through his teaching and it is through his instruction. They know and learn by experience and by the Lord's dealings with them. You wouldn't think of a child at school saying to them, or some might try, but saying to their teachers, now this is what I want to be taught, this, 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 and, uh, and you teach it in this way. Now the teacher decides when they're taught, what they're taught, how much they're taught, they decide that. If you and I are taught by the Lord, he will decide. He'll decide when and how he instructs us. But it is a blessing here that we begin to see what he is using. See that things are not by chance, that there's an end the Lord has in view, and there's lessons we learn, and things that we remember, and the word that is made life and power to our souls, and it makes the Lord Jesus Christ precious, leading us to his precious blood, his sacrifice, his offerings, from our tribulations and our adversity to the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. To say with the hymn writer, his path was much rougher and darker than mine and shall my Lord suffer and shall I repine. Led to view him and I, if I be lifted up above the earth, will draw all men unto me. I will remember that time walking back from here been to the co-op to, to buy some food and walking back up the hill to our home, not for that long distance, but the bags were cutting into my hands and I thought I can only go a few more steps, I'm going to put these down, I can't stand this anymore. And then it came to my mind, my Lord on the cross, he couldn't come down, he couldn't escape the pain of the nails and that on his shoulders and in his hands. And I thought, you don't put those bags down. You walk home with them like that. And again, it's something I've never, ever forgotten. I can picture that time. It's a simple, simple illustration. But that was one of the teachers that I had that, that led me straight to the cross and straight to think of my Lord while feeling something of pain in my own body. How easy it is to forget that as long as well as the weight of his people's sin and the darkness through the hiding of his father's face, there was all the tremendous <clears throat> physical pain as well that our Lord endured. It's a blessed thing to have some little fellowship with the Lord in his sufferings. Sometimes you might hear of one another 
you have some illness or pain or some break and you hear about it and it doesn't touch us and then the same thing happens to us and then we remember and we remember what they have gone through and what they have endured as well and it brings that fellowship and sometimes sorrow and sadness and we realise what they endure. Well, may the Lord bless this word above all that we are be those that do see our teachers, that do hear his word, and that it does hedge us about, direct us and keep us in that narrow way that leadeth unto life. May we be like Paul says, let us run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Amen.